You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Very important Packers source says that Aaron Rodgers will be back with the Packers this season. Take that for what it's worth. We haven't heard from Rodgers. The report from Bob McGinn, highly respected, longtime reporter of the Green Bay Packers, says, yeah, they're done with them. They're disgusted with it. We'll see. I'm skeptical of any report How are they going to win? That would be my follow-up if that's going to be the case. What are they going to do to get better to win? Because they were bad. That's what Aaron Rodgers has to know, too. Right? What Unless you're just like skating what on the way in. What can they do given his contract? Well, how much? This is where I don't understand the salary cap because every time we feel like there's no flexibility, yeah. someone comes up with something to manipulate the numbers to get done what they want done if they're on the verge of competing. Now, we've seen other situations where it's clearly bad and there's no getting out of it, and there's a purge. Well, Atlanta has just been going through it. Right. But... What are the what can they do with the salary cap, other than restructure? Is that a possibility? And I mean, invest in through the draft and have Rodgers ready to go. That's why they couldn't keep Devontae Adams, even though they tagged him last year. They yeah. traded him to the Raiders, and it was because, in in large part, because of the contract that Rodgers was demanding, and it's going up by ten million this season. Speaking of uh, salary cap, new record in the books: Cleveland Browns. Quarterback Deshaun Watson, highest cap hit coming up, and it will be this way for the next, what, five seasons, four seasons, moving forward through 2026. Highest cap hit in league history. Warren Sharp, of our, our friend from Sharp Football, points out, we've never seen a cap hit in any season exceed $39 million. Deshaun Watson, this season, is going to hit 59 in 2023 that's the largest of any player in NFL history and this will be exactly the same every single season as it is right now in his contract through 2026 they can always restructure and give him more up front and kick the can down the road so to speak on the cap hit but you will talk about Rodgers and the Packers here is Watson and a 54.9 million dollar hit this season and every season moving forward based on that guaranteed money Better draft well. If this does not work out, if Watson is not as good as he was in Houston in any way, and Cleveland is not a playoff team quickly, is this the worst move yes. in NFL history? Yeah, well, yes. Because I mean, it's unprecedented on, in terms of the guaranteed money if, if, and the guaranteed contract and the history of the sport. If it continues to go at this, this yeah. rate. Russell Wilson, the deal for him right now, has a head start to being one of the worst if he doesn't get better. But now he's got Sean Payton. And also, he didn't get a fully guaranteed contract. Right. So they're two different things. They Denver is married to Russell Wilson, and they gave up a lot, and they're giving him a lot of money, but they can get out of this. The Browns cannot get out of this if it doesn't work. They are locked in. It could be the worst ever. 
Right? Yeah, and we've seen some bad deals by Cleveland. But you do it because you say, all right, Deshaun Watson, when healthy and playing, is a top-five quarterback in the league. But Deshaun Watson, having spent as much time away from the game as he has now, trying to come back, if he doesn't come out lights out this season, I'm really skeptical that he's ever going to get back to what he was in Houston because of the layoff, because of the sideshow with the masseuses and everything else. Mm Mm-hmm. He's never going to get back to it. If that's the case, Jimmy Haslam and the Browns have made the worst move in the history of the league. And it could also be uh, that what turns them around at the quarterback position, right? This is an organization that since Kelly Holcomb, it took all the way to Baker Mayfield to get to the postseason in 2020. And they're trying to get over the hump and actually do more than that than just go to the divisional round of this. But... Yeah, they. Oh, they're doing it to win a Super Bowl. Well, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. when they you make the well, move, it, like this is a move done to say we're going to win a Super is, Bowl and it's all going to be worth it. This is you're putting all your chips though in the draft, and you also have to be patient now because you traded your top picks away to get Deshaun Watson. That pick's now in Houston. So, how much can you give him right now? They've got to have some speed at receiver, that's for sure. And they got to invest in the run game. The the run game was really. Uh, really good at times with with Chubb, but then slow in the biggest games, the divisional games. They could not get the run going up front. Got to have it with Watson coming back. He got to, but so much of this. We is only just, saw six games from him. It's on Watson. I mean, yeah, you know, ultimately, it's, right. it's you just look at it and say, this guy got an unprecedented contract to play quarterback. You better make everyone around you better. I don't care if there's one spot that's a little bit lacking. You're getting this contract to be the guy and to improve everyone. So I'm very skeptical. I know it's a small sample size late in the year, but he was really bad. This is a big offseason for him, obviously, in the Browns. If he comes out and looks like the old Deshaun Watson, great. And if the Browns are winning, we're saying, okay, now, if they add a piece here, a piece there, maybe they can get into contention. If he looks like he did at the end of this past season when he came in and played, Bad news for the Browns. Sean Watson getting paid. Marshawn Lynch recently went into detail about all the fines that he had for just not speaking to the media. And he joined Darren Bates, former NFL linebacker, uh, former Auburn Tiger, Darren Bates. He joined Darren's podcast and explained how much, in fact, he did dish out for not speaking to the media. What I thought is... All right, it take them to come in there probably like 15, 20 minutes after the game is over, right? I done already probably done went in the locker room maybe with two, two and a half minutes on there because we done already won the game. So I done already showered. By the time the team come in there, you feel me? I'm already, you feel me? I'm gone. So they, oh, well, where Marshawn at? Oh, he's not here. He gone. So if I wasn't there, then how could I make myself available? Hold on, you, you, you feel what I'm talking you about? Get, you ain't get the end of the game speech? No, nah, it was, you feel? <laughs> man, I can't, um. it was tough, man. I had the family outside. So the fine started, you know, accumulating, and it was from seasons before. And now, you feel me, they run it up. So it got, you feel me, though, it got to a pretty penny, though. You feel what I'm talking about? What the number My biggest, what the number look like? 2.2 million. What was your biggest oh, You got me 1.2. From just not talking to the to the media. 1.2? Yeah. You were 2.2? 2? Yeah. That was, that was from the two years? Yeah. yeah. What about you, Lindell? Um, I think I was probably around like 60, 60K. 
I'm right there with you. By 85,000. That's, That's it. it. Oh, no way. Listen, shout out no to Jeff Fisher. <laughs> It was entertaining. It's uh, a fun conversation the- with those guys for sure. What happens to this fine money? Because it's taken out of the direct deposit. It goes to uh, NFL charities. Right. right. That's the. I've often wondered though. Like, that's the common line. It goes to NFL, NFL charities, but if if like if Clay wants to make a charitable donation, he gets to write that off on taxes. Does Marshawn Lynch get to write off one point two million on taxes? I would hope so. That's a great point. I mean, I, I think that they can like give you the paperwork, I feel like, to show that it's a charitable donation yeah. that you're making out of your paycheck, and at least you get to write that off for taxes. But it's a fine. He's being disciplined. Though. It's ridiculous if you... Uh, but The uh, NFL's still, giving it to charity. They're benefiting yeah, if, that, if but the player's also, not. That's why I'm bringing it up. If the, the NFL's NFL, definitely writing it off. If the NFL... But hear me out here. It's the their personal income... That is going, it's the NFL fine, but it's right. going through the NFL. Yes. It's like money laundering, of their right? Choosing. Yes. And it's going to, it's like uh, Walter White with the car wash. But then it's going to the charity. So it's still their personal income it's coming out of. So I think the charitable donation should go to the option to the player to file it as a charitable donation, even though it's a fine. And I, I like, hope so. I, I like to think that it's all in the up and up and everything's cool. But I've, I've often wondered, like, how how that goes about come tax time, especially for these dudes that have to play in multiple states and all the tax codes in multiple states. So if you play that week in California, you're taxed on California codes, even if you live in Nashville and play for the Titans. It's crazy how um, just nonchalant Marshawn Lynch is talking about that. And here's the other thing about Marshawn Lynch. It amazes me that a guy who's done so many interviews and podcasts and he did the Manning cast and everything else throughout his career talks all the time, just would spend that much money to not talk. It's not like he's a complete introvert that doesn't want to talk to people or be on camera or on mic, but he just refused to talk to the but media to the, to the detriment I, of himself. Well, I don't know to though. spend money. Well, he did he did spend money. You're right. He was fine, but he I, he's he's more well known for the quote than he is his uh, his play. I'm just here so I won't get fined. Is I mean, that's living forever. It's what he's known for. You mentioned Lynch. It's the it's the Super Bowl presser, the media day. Uh, yeah, it's just... And he's also known for not getting did, the football in the final play look, where maybe, Malcolm Butler made the pick. Maybe that that helped him enough to offset based on everyone knowing him for that reason. Yeah. But I also don't know that he was thinking that when he did it. You would think that like someone... Um, uh, Zach Grinke's got the social anxiety disorder or yeah. whatever, right? So he they had to limit his exposure to media... But that it would be someone like that, I would think, that would willingly pay that much money to not speak to people, to not even answer a single question from the media, just, because it just petrifies them to talk to a group. Not Marshawn Lynch, who's a total extrovert and loves talking to people every it, time he's in front of a mic. Isn't it interesting, though, that players, if asked, if asked, they need to be made available once, once per week for media to be in the locker room, or at least that was the rule through... Uh, the Writers Association, made available once a week to the press in order to chat. Uh, definitely no owner has to do that, right? Yeah. We know officials don't. There's a pool reporter, but, I mean, the pool reporter is more worried about the deadline or getting the story from the game, let's be honest there, than the three or four questions that it's going to take to discuss the official for quotes that everyone's going to use. And it's the players that get fined for not speaking, which, look, we all benefit from, but nowadays, practically everyone's willing to do it. And 
Lynch hated it. 1.2 million. Uh, you think he misses that? My guess is no. He probably got, you know, who knows what he makes now uh, to offset it. I would think he misses it, though. And that's $1.2 million. Again, to just do something that he does all the time. That's what's odd to me. He was, uh, he was fined the same amount that Brian Kelly was overpaid at LSU, Jack. Hard to he, believe. He did have to pay that money back, though. Brian <laughs> Kelly did. That, that banker's error. Aaron Torres is about to join us. The storyline right now is with Alabama Hoops and Brandon Miller and the fact that we now know through law enforcement testimony at the preliminary hearing yesterday in the capital murder, murder case that took place on January 15th that involved the Alabama player and Darius Miles, that Miller brought the weapon to the scene. And we'll begin there because they play tonight, and indications are he's playing tonight. Yeah, before we get into that with Aaron Torres, I didn't want to bring this up because, again, so many people are saying, here's some clarity for you guys. This is why he wasn't charged with a crime. Nothing I've ever stated involves him having to get charged with a crime right. in order for the university or the program to act. Let's be clear about that. People are suspended or kicked off the te- a team at all times for non-criminal activity or possible criminal activity that did not result in charges being levied, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, Trey Wallace did a good job digging here. He got a hold of the Alabama Student Handbook story up at outkick.com right now. He found at least two rules the school could have used to handle some sort of punishment, hand, hand punishment out to, to Brandon Miller. One is p- possession or use of a dangerous weapon, firearm, on university premises in violation of the university, including but not limited to the university's dangerous weapons and firearms policy. This goes back to they had it on campus. He went back to retrieve it on campus and then went to the bar. That's something the university could have done. Uh, the other one is a, another transportation of firearms violation that is against University of Alabama policy. I say all this to that's say the second part that tracks. the university, what, whatever you want to say about criminal charges and all that, the university knowingly, willfully knowing about this, did nothing. Did nothing about this. And they have they done, have done nothing, nothing to about explain Brandon why. Miller. To explain why. What Zero we, explanation. We don't know, but see, this is the detail I need. We don't know that he went back to campus to retrieve the weapon. All we know is Darius Miles told law enforcement that he told Miller where the gun was in the car that he left in the car that Miller was driving, and he brought it back to him. We don't know he went back to campus to retrieve it. It could have been in the car the entire time. Sounds like it was, but we don't know if he was on campus and came back. If he knowingly knew, like if, if he knew what he was doing and why he was bringing it there, don't know. But Alabama and law enforcement seem to think that the story checks out. For whatever reason, they won't tell us the details as to why. All we know are the details again, from the you know, we, from the 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 uh, investigator, the police on the side. And we want to give as much detail as possible on this show about everything. But what we are doing now is going through verbal acrobatics to try to just say something that's very clear and obvious to anyone with a brain. Right. The dude should not have brought a weapon to a guy at 1.35 a.m. after he had been drinking and he, at a bar, and the fact that that bringing the weapon to that guy ended up in a young mother's murder right. is a huge problem that should have been dealt with other than Nate Oates coming out and saying, oh, he's not in trouble at all. Wrong place, wrong time. It's way more than wrong place, wrong time. 
and I don't want to get caught up in all the little technicalities about Alabama law and this and that. Use your brain. And anytime we got people in the chat room right now, and I'm saying, would you not think something was up if any one of your friends asked for a weapon back at 1.35 a.m.? Would you maybe think, maybe I shouldn't do this, maybe something bad will happen, and maybe you do something and nothing bad happens, but something really bad happened. So that should be dealt with. It should have been dealt with by Nate Oates first. If not Nate Oates, one of his bosses at the university should have dealt with yeah. it. Instead, they have sacrificed everything on the altar of we just want to win basketball games. And the optics are they're protecting their star player. And That's, it's not even the optics. It's what's happening. It's, it's, and, Hutton, you're demanding them to talk and explain what yeah. his side is. I'm with you on it. I don't believe it'll ever happen. He's not going to appear until he goes to the NBA draft. He is not going to do any inter- any interviews. Brandon Miller I'm talking about. Nate Oates will not fully answer questions about it. He's released his BS apology on what he said yesterday. Yeah. They're not going to say a word. This kid's going to keep playing. Alabama's going to keep winning. And they're just telling everybody else to shut up. Well, the, and the mushroom cloud is just forming with all of this. Uh, Aaron Torres picks up the story with us next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Sixth and Peabody, our location. Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network for Outkick 360. Hutton Withrow with you. Kurt Schilling joins us in a little over 30 minutes in studio, plus Clay Travis in an hour. First, though, Aaron Torres joins us, Fox Sports Radio host and college basketball insider. Aaron, uh, crazy story from Tuscaloosa and everything developing and comments made and then press releases made from Nate Oates. What we heard Nate Oates say in the press release today was, well, I chose my words poorly. We didn't hear him say Brandon Miller and discipline uh, is coming. What do you make of it? Um, I'll tell you, I mean, on the one hand, I mean, I'm stunned, right? I mean, like, I think we're all, I think anybody that covers sports that has been around sports and have been like, it's, it's insane that Brandon Miller is still representing like, like at the baseline level, we can get into all the context and I'm sure you guys just spent the last two days talking about it. Like, but at the end of the day, it is kind of wild that Brandon Miller is still representing the university of Alabama. But what, what was clear to me with not just the opening statement yesterday, but really the follow-up statement was that Alabama is kind of digging their heels in on this one. And I think their thought process is kind of twofold. And I'm not saying you should agree or disagree with it, but I think what they're thinking is pretty straightforward is he hasn't been charged with a crime. And I think the other part that we all, and I, I do understand this part as well, is this isn't the type of thing that you suspend a guy a game for. Like it's not, um, you know, uh, uh, whatever, getting too drunk and showing up hungover for practice. Like, like, this is if he if you believe that he is he, that he should not be playing tonight against South Carolina representing your university, 
then you basically have to indefinitely suspend him until he until there's either new information that clears him or whatever. And I don't think any new information is coming out at this point, at least certainly not in the near future, certainly not for the rest of the regular season. So I'll be blunt. Like, I, I think it's crazy. And I want to make sure that, that I make that clear. I think it's, it's wild that he is representing the University of Alabama and not just Nate Oates, but the people above Nate Oates are letting him represent Alabama. But it, I, I thought with the second statement where Nate Oates said late on Tuesday night that, you know, no other student athletes are suspects right now. They were only witnesses. That was Alabama making the statement that we made our decision, whatever it was, five weeks ago when this initial crime happened, and we're not backing down from that decision at this point. So is this something that will always follow Nate Oates around? Clearly the guy can coach basketball, and he's winning at a high level at Alabama, but is this something that goes away five years from now, or no matter what level of success that he has, will there always be people that point to, yeah, but remember that time one of your players murdered someone and your star player gave him his gun back that ended up murdering the young woman. Are we always going to talk about this? So two quick things on that. One, I will go back to the night that the actual murder happened or the follow-up day when the player was arrested. I was kind of blown away that there wasn't more coverage. And I understand it was football season, NFL was still going on, all that stuff. But I thought at least even locally or the first few road games, there would be questions about why was this guy, again, a representative of a university? Were there any signs when you recruited him? Were there any signs when he was in the program that he was capable of something like this? And it really felt like that first day, NATO's made a statement. Um, and then it was kind of just gone. And so, one, I was a little surprised by that. But to answer your question, Chad, um, I, college sports is interesting because it's like when, when something bad happens, and I think we all understand that I'm not equating um, – a, a murder to NCA violations or whatever, but it feels like it always sticks with you as long as you're at that place, because it feels like you didn't get punished for whatever injustice. Right. So, and again, I'm not comparing one to the other, but Rick Pitino at Louisville, Rick Pitino gets fired from Louisville. Now all of a sudden he's at Iona and there are people that want him to coach their high major team. You know, Sean Miller, who was at Arizona, he was there for three, four years while that FBI investigation unfolded. And everybody kind of sat there and said, he should be fired. He should be fired. Well, now he's back at Xavier. And everybody's like, oh, okay. Like Sean Miller paid his, paid his, you know, debt to society, if you will. So I hope I'm clear. I'm not comparing murder to NCA rules violations or whatever, alleged murder to rules violations or whatever. But it, it is weird. It does feel like in college sports specifically, we, we are forgiving if we feel like there has been some sort of punishment served, justice served, whatever. But if NATO stays at Alabama, I think there's going to be that thought that you just expressed, Chad, the thought that this is a great basketball coach. Nobody denies that. But man, oh man, remember when he had that lottery pick and, and you know, he's he seemingly covered up for a lottery pick because that guy was helping him win games. I don't think that is something that will escape him anytime soon if he stays at Alabama. And, and right now, at least, I don't think there's any reason to think that he won't be at Alabama for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and now Brandon Miller's attorney has just released a statement with uh, some more, I don't know if there's details, but some clarification on his behalf about the, what happened that night we'll get into momentarily. Let's talk some basketball, though, right now, Aaron. Uh, some Blue Bloods. Kentucky now firmly in the field after beating Tennessee for a second time. North Carolina still trying to earn their way there. When you look at Kentucky with all of that talent, how dangerous of a team is this in the tournament to maybe make a run 
even with not so favorable of a seed. And what do you think about the chances that North Carolina will eventually play their way into this tournament and maybe be the most deadly, you know, 11 or 12 seed that the tournament's ever seen? Well, I'll start with North Carolina. Um, they need to start winning like now. Um, they, you know, they don't have a, like, so quad one for people who are kind of new to college basketball, or just getting into it. Quad one wins are the best wins that you can have and kind of the metrics that we use to pick NCAA tournament teams. They don't have a single quad one win, or at least they didn't as of a day or two ago when they lost to NC state. So if they get in right now, it will strictly because be because the front of their Jersey says North Carolina, people are interested in seeing them. They played for a national championship a year ago. Now they still have a little time to make up ground. They have Duke at home. They have Virginia on the road. So there are, there are ways for them to pick up wins, but it doesn't change the fact that uh, right now they don't have a resume of an NCAA tournament team. Now, Kentucky, I think is different. And listen, man, every time I say anything about Calipari, Oh, you always defend Calipari. All, all I'll say is, you know, listen, he's got some really bad losses on his resume uh, this year, specifically South Carolina and Georgia specifically, but Going into the Georgia game, they lost two key players to injury, and they kind of had to make make do on the fly. It's kind of like what's going on with Rick Barnes right now. I know you guys are in Tennessee. I'm not defending Rick Barnes, but this was a different team when Josiah Jordan-James and Julian Phillips were healthy. Not saying they would have won last night against AM, Not saying they would have won at Rupp Arena. Not saying Rick Barnes isn't partially to blame for that. But I bring it up because with Kentucky, you can even go back to the preseason. Oscar Shibway gets surgery a month before the season, misses the whole preseason, doesn't practice up until the lead up to, of the first game. And it's been one kind of this after the other, this guy gets hurt. Then this guy comes back and it feels like Kentucky is finally starting to hit their groove. So I think the fact that they're playing really well now, now we'll see what happens. They're playing Florida tonight on the road, but two, I think the other thought, and, and it's what everybody's saying and it's the truth is that this year there are no dominant teams. Uh, Alabama, frankly, is probably the best team when they're at their best. And we'll see, Obviously, if their roster kind of makeup stays the way that it is going forward. But, you know, you look at Kentucky with a dominant big man in Sheepway, uh, an NBA, at least a first round pick, maybe a lottery pick case and Wallace playing point guard. I, I, I don't really see the teams, this, the, the group of teams in the tournament that Kentucky has no shot against. Again, they still have work to do to make sure that they're in. But I think once they get in, if they play the way that they have really most of the last two, three weeks, I think they'll not only be in pretty good shape, but I think they could certainly pull a couple of upsets. Aaron Torres, you can hear him on Fox Sports Radio. Aaron, always great to catch up, man. And uh, hopefully we can get you on before tournament time, which is just around the corner. It's coming fast. It's crazy how fast it's coming. But thank you guys very much. Uh, Brendan Miller's story is crazy. I'm actually curious to see what his attorney had to say. Uh, and thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Aaron. Aaron Torres there, Fox Sports Radio. Chad, uh, so his attorney for uh, Brandon Miller's attorney has released a statement and you have it pulled up there? Yeah, it's pretty long, um, but I guess I'll get into it. So let me give the a background here real fast. So uh, he's going to reference a video. There's a, there's a ring camera that has been mentioned in court at the preliminary hearing. Sounds like there's a ring camera that caught everyone trying to flee the scene, attempting to when they heard the gunfire. Um, so as you go through it, when he mentions that everything's clearly on video, that's the video he's referencing, I believe, based on what everyone has reported from the courtroom yesterday. Yeah, so here's the statement. As one of the attorneys for Brandon Miller, I want to provide additional facts on, on Brandon's behalf. In response to misstatements and reporting yesterday regarding Brandon, Brandon and his family are horrified and saddened by the events that led to the senseless death of Miss Harris 
and continue to offer their most sincere thoughts and prayers for her family. This is already better than Nate Oates' statement. Yeah, this is clearly drafted by a lawyer and clearly drafted by a lawyer representing Brandon Miller and, and doing a very good job as a lawyer. On January 14th, Brandon played in a basketball game in the afternoon and later was asked by Darius Miles for a ride to the strip area to go to a nightclub. Mr. Miles brought his legal handgun and left it in the back seat of Brandon's vehicle. Brandon never saw the handgun nor handled it. Further, it is our understanding that the weapon was concealed under some clothing in the back seat of the car. Brandon did not go inside the nightclub. A lot of this we knew. Instead, he left and went to a restaurant to eat. At approximately midnight, Mr. Miles began asking Brandon to come pick him up so they could leave and go to another location and join friends. Brandon advised that he would be along later. And approximately one hour later, Brandon began to leave the restaurant and pick up Mr. Miles, but first had to give another companion a ride home. Before Brandon arrived to pick up Mr. Miles, Mr. Miles and the individual with Miss Harris apparently exchanged words. Without Brandon, know, without Brandon knowing any of this context, and as Brandon was already on the way to pick up Mr. Miles, Mr. Miles texted Brandon and asked him to bring him. Let me go to page two. If I can find it. The firearm. Bring him his firearm. Hutton, do you have it in front of you? Because I'm Brandon not. subsequently arrived at the scene to pick up Mr. Miles. Brandon never got out of his vehicle or interacted with anyone in Ms. Harris's party. He was never involved in the verbal altercation with Cedric Johnson or Mr. Davis. Brandon never touched the gun, was not involved in its, in its exchange to Mr. Davis in any way, never knew that a legal activity involving the gun would occur. Brandon did not block the Jeep driven by Mr. Johnson. In fact, Brandon had already parked on Grace Street when the Jeep pulled up behind him. The street was never blocked by Brandon's vehicle. Gunfire erupted shortly after the Jeep arrived, and Brandon's vehicle was struck by bullets fired from one of the guns. Brandon quickly left the area when gunfire erupted. As soon as he was notified that someone had been injured and the police wished to speak with him, he has fully cooperated with law enforcement's investigation. All of the events described above are clearly captured on video. There is no dispute about Brandon's activities during this evening. Brandon has submitted to multiple interviews to assist law enforcement in further understanding the situation. He has volunteered to have his phone content, uh, contents extracted as well as that of the contents of his automobile. He will continue to cooperate as any citizen should who has witnessed a serious incident. Brandon does not own a firearm, has never even handled a firearm. Moreover, he had no knowledge of any intent to use the weapon. That from his attorney, Jim Standridge. And this goes back to the text message exchanged. The text to him was just bring it back. It was already in the car. Bring back the piece. Bring back the piece. There's no indication that he was on campus, that he knew where it was in the car, that it, 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 it's a legal firearm according to Brandon Miller's attorney. It's, it was Miles's, Darius Miles, his legal gun that he had brought back to him. So not knowing the situation, knowing that it's a legal firearm, not knowing where it was in the car, and having no idea what the intent was when it was arriving on the scene, that's the story that Alabama and law enforcement are pointing to whenever they say, hey, uh, nothing we can do here. Wrong place, wrong time. But that's his side of it. Clearly captured on video, which is the ring camera from one of the nearby areas. That he fled when things went down, which yeah, they the said in that. And, yeah. uh, my guess is everyone fled when things went down. That's, I think that's his point, is everyone's running away. Yeah, I, I, you know, look, it's a good job of being his attorney in mm -hmm. this, right? Yeah. I, I think the big question that I or anyone else would have was, 
if someone says bring back the peace, my response would be what? I, if you had no knowledge that a weapon was in the car or it was being hidden somewhere, I, I'd have a lot of questions about that uh, if that were me involved and not just driving back to where we were to pick something up. You know, what, what do you mean the peace? I, I, I don't have the peace. I don't, I don't know what, what you're talking about if you're completely ignorant to it and not just coming back and showing up. So, so it was, it that would was, be the questions I would have. And again, I, I don't think we've ever said the guy should be arrested based on the law right, yeah. because they do have to prove intent. It's going to be very hard to prove that. And I, Yes, the look, handling of it. From- I, I don't think Brandon Miller you know, came back and handed someone a gun and said, now go kill this girl. I right. know what you're going to do. Yeah. I just think that it's naive to think that he didn't know something was up having gone back and, and receiving these texts. But, I mean, it depends what... So, everyone is saying that this is accurate based on what law enforcement has been told. And if it's a legal handgun and you you can say that you didn't know the intent of why something was going to be used or what was going to go down and it's a legal gun based on, again, this statement here from the attorney, this is why the... We're, we're seeing the uh, district, uh, the deputy chief district attorney say that they can't charge him with anything. But you can discipline him in some way for doing that if you're Alabama, if you're Nate Oates. They're choosing not to. And by the way, this isn't something that they've decided to do over the last 24 to 48 hours. They haven't done anything since January 15th when Nate Oates admitted yesterday that they've known about this and that they've gone through all the channels to clearly understand why he doesn't deserve any punishment why he does why he's never been in quote-unquote trouble yeah look i i we're we're getting one attorney's statement that's defending their client and this is wholeheartedly these are the details i'm talking about whenever you know there's speculation going on uh and all you hear is wrong place wrong time that's not good enough based on the loss of life based, based on the capital murder charges that both of these men face no. And, and the text about where the gun was and that it was loaded, Miller was not involved in that. This was the exchange between Darius Miles the, after the gun arrived and where it was for Michael Davis to go retrieve it. But the text was sent to Miller about bring the piece. Bring the car back around yeah. because of what he needed to get. Yeah. yeah. His legal handgun. It's, uh, I'm really intrigued to see what Nate Oates says postgame today or tonight. I'm really intrigued to see if he speaks at all. I just don't think they're going to talk. I think he will. He's, I mean, they, they've got to talk. They have to explain this. I would hope so. They were speaking to the media after the incident originally on January 15th, so I don't know why they wouldn't speak now publicly. Right? I mean, they were the post-game at Vandy. If, if, this, if they knew all of this all along, I just keep coming back to... Yeah. How are you so ill-prepared, if you're Nate Oates, to handle that question? That's what I said to begin the show. And like, to say those things. How, how are you not ahead of this? This isn't just some flippant new news that you're well, reacting we, to in real time. Like Tiger right, last we, week reacting along, to the... Yeah, but we've said all along, you know, Brandon Miller's clearly cooperating with the police. And they've said as much. And he's a witness on all this, right? Yeah. So if you know that and you know he's on the scene, and you know that his vehicle housed the weapon, the murder weapon... How are you not more on top of this if you're Alabama and out in front of it? 
Yeah. And, I'd want to be and, out in front of this before it's released in court, and then you've got your head coach saying dumb things. And all the details behind the, the whole incident. On top of the fact that you have the quote from Nate Oates after the original um, charges and the arrest took place, where he's focused on the victim, and then yesterday focused on the star player saying, yeah, we, we've known about this, nothing to see, wrong place, wrong time. Paraphrasing, but I mean, again, like it's just a, it was handled so poorly in this situation. And now it's, it's become a circus of what they care about, what they don't, instead of here's why we're okay with the decision we made and behind the scenes we've known about this. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. You can join us in the chat as well on YouTube. We've got Kurt Schilling coming in studio in around 20 minutes when we come back. Dwight Howard, he is playing, not in the NBA. He's playing professionally in Taiwan. And he got in the mix, got in a scrum. A brawl broke out. We've got it next on Outkick360. Kurt Schilling and Clay Travis join us in the upcoming hour. Outkick Big hour 360 coming up. rolls on. Big hour. Across the Outkick Network, 6th and Peabody Air location with Ehab Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, I haven't watched uh, much NBA. I have watched some, you know, passing by background. But this is a league I can get behind, the T1 League in Taiwan. Uh, based on what happened, I yeah. did not know that Dwight Howard was still playing professionally. He is. I know he, he had a tryout for the WWE here in Nashville last summer. And now he's in Taiwan playing hoops. 18 seasons in the NBA. Now he's in the T1 lead. It was uh, He's playing for the Leopards. It's the Leopards against the Hero Bears. In <laughs> That's the a T1 great lead. nickname, the Hero Bears. And a massive brawl breaks out, and you have 6'10 Dwight Howard separating guards, these guard play, which got physical, elbows to the face, uh, punches thrown. I mean, this is... We hear about brawls. This is a legit brawl where benches clearing, coaches... Uh, other individuals getting involved, and then just randomly, he's out of frame because he's so tall. Dwight Howard is just separating people like a WWE event. How much money is Dwight Howard making in Taiwanese basketball these I days? I don't know. Let me- I merely thought like he's got to make way more than everyone else, right? He's got to be the draw in this Taiwanese league. You think they pay like like live tour? <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think the Taiwanese have the money that the Saudis possess. Um, but it but has to be enough to like he's, to want to do it. Dwight Howard's salary, and, and this is according to Google, um, one million dollars is his salary to play for the Leopards. I mean, he just must really want to play basketball because that's not a ton of money to go play in Taiwan. Or maybe maybe his girls in Taiwan. I don't know. Could be. No, no clue. May like the nightlife in Taiwan. <laughs> Who knows? That's a that's an outstanding brawl though. Y- you don't. You really got to go abroad to see good brawls now in sports, yeah. I think. You know, the, the American sports are devoid of brawls to that well, level. You know how uh, Bullock, Keith Bullock once said, these guys don't want to fight. That's the look that Howard had on his face as he's separating people. Everyone's throwing punches except at Dwight Howard, who's just in the middle of it. I think if you're in the aside. Taiwanese Basketball League and you look up and Dwight <laughs> Howard is staring down at you, you, that's probably not the guy you want to throw punches to, right? You want to avoid that at all costs. It also appeared I didn't. I don't. I don't get the sense he was in the game at the time either. It looked like he just came from the bench. But if you're six ten, I don't know why you're not in the game in this game in particular. Uh, Chad, the coach with Rowe would absolutely have it in the, in the post. 
Oh yeah, you're feeding you're feeding Dwight Howard the rock in Taiwanese basketball. No doubt, that's number one, right? You let you let Dwight eat in that league, whether it be a brawl or whether it be in the post. Brandon Miller's attorney released a statement, Chad, minutes ago um, on the day that Alabama will play against South Carolina, and he's giving Brandon Miller's side of the story from January fifteenth, where he drove the vehicle that brought the weapon to the scene that ended up being. Uh, a, a incident that we have capital murder charges stemming from, where a 23-year-old single mother lost her life at the bar on the strip in Tuscaloosa. Two other men involved in this, and Miller was connected through driving the car that brought the weapon to the scene. No charges filed against him. Nate Oates, head coach, hasn't done anything discipline-wise since January 15th. They've been okay with this. But underneath the surface, you have this story. He's been playing. He's playing tonight. And Alabama and, and Nate Oates did a poor job of explaining this as to why they've been okay with it. Instead, pointing to the fact that he regrets the way he phrased certain statements yesterday instead of explaining why he felt to say, wrong place, wrong time, guys go out, and you know it's unfortunate because he doesn't get into trouble. Yeah, he's letting Brandon Miller's attorney now do whatever explaining is going on about Brandon Miller's part in this. And really the only big difference from, I guess, the lack of detail that was in the testimony with the cop, or however you want to phrase it, is that Brandon Miller's attorney is claiming he had no knowledge of a gun at all, but then it kind of leaves it out about, you know, received a text about it that we saw was about bringing back the piece and bringing back the car to pick him up. And in that saying, it was hidden behind clothing in the backseat of his car is the claim from, from uh, his attorney. Well, and, that, and again, I think that... That also makes... That, that follows what the other two men charged in this have texting said. about. Yeah. But have said also to investigators that they, they told each other where it was in the car and how to get to it. Instead of oh, it's in the front seat, right? It was very specific. I think very specific. That's clear spot. to yeah. law enforcement. So look, I, I think that you know, in terms of discipline, you know, the the logic you'd have to ask yourself is, do you believe the account that there was right. no knowledge from Brandon Miller having been in that car, having driven to separate places throughout the night, that he had no knowledge there was a gun in the back seat of the car? Um, I think that's very difficult to believe for me, but it's also a plausible defense for Brandon Miller based on the evidence they have with text messages and everything else. And the fact that they know because the ring camera footage and his claims that he got away once the gunshots happened, right? He fled the part. The other thing was, you know, the, the, the cars blocked the other car in that was shot into. They did not dispute that it was Brandon Miller's car parked in front that could have been blocking in. But the claim is, he was already parked there, and they happened to park behind him. Right. So his car was placed in front of him when the shooting happened, well, in front of the other vehicle, the victim's vehicle that she was in. Which when it is happened. why, in the explanation, why his windshield was struck twice. Yeah. By gunfire. Look, it's a terrible situation. It's awful all the way around. Um, it's tragic. It's embarrassing. With what NATO said, you've got Greg McElroy, former Alabama quarterback, saying how embarrassed he is by the whole situation. And the fact that nothing has been done uh, other than Darius Miles, who really wasn't even a part of the team at the time because he's kind of on again, off again with the yeah, team, yeah. 
being removed, there's been no other discipline at all. Not a one-game suspension, two-game suspension for being around all of this. Nothing. And that makes the whole thing even more embarrassing. 25 minutes away from our visit with Clay Travis. When we come back, Kurt Schilling in studio. He joins OutKick with the Kurt Schilling Talks Baseball Podcast. He's with us next on OutKick 360.